So, retrospectors, what historical events are we ticking off on this week's run of Today in History? Well, on Monday, it's the anniversary of the table knife being invented. On Tuesday, we explain how the tradition of the two-minute silence originated in Cape Town. On Wednesday, we recall the day King George III proved he was assassin-proof. On Thursday, let's all eat cake. It's Marie Antoinette's wedding. And on Friday, we discover how Buffalo Bill helped invent the Wild West. We discuss this and more on Today in History with the Retrospectors. Ten minutes each weekday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to For Formula One Sake, the podcast that will be quite boring until the last five minutes and then all hell will break loose. Ah, my left shoe's falling apart. My shoe isn't falling apart, I'm going to change it just as a precaution. Welcome to For Formula One Sake, the podcast that will announce it won't host this podcast in the future. We're announcing our break clause from SoundCloud. Oh, bitch. Welcome to For Formula Minimal One Minimal talking. Sake. Welcome to For Formula One Sake, the podcast that won't be making any more jokes about Martin Brundle, just in case. It was a virus. It was a bit worrying though, wasn't it? Literally the week we, the week after we make a joke about him and suddenly it's like, oh God, he's gone to the medical centre. On the other hand, I got a feeling that Palmer's ill. I'm Chico Rez, and today from the Galvanisers Union in Bow, we are going to talk about the 2017 British Grand Prix. We're going to talk about punctures, inter-team rivalry, Ricardo, and a sense of unquestionable national pride, sort of. Plus we've got your listeners corner and Terry with the state of F1 and that is all to come. Joining me is a man who, just for a change, isn't here. It's Phil Tromans. Hello, everyone. And yes, I'm sorry that for the third episode in a row, I, I can't make it to the pub. I've been in Norway again for the second time in a week, uh, driving the new Range Rover Velar. This seems inefficient. Well, it was it was with a different thing, and I would have had to stay there the weekend. And Norway is unbelievably expensive, so it's probably actually cheaper for me to fly back and then fly out again than it was to stay for a couple of days. Just as a slight aside, do you know how much a pint of Guinness cost in the hotel I stayed in in Trondheim? Twelve pounds. No, twelve pounds would have been good. Twelve pounds was for just over half a pint. A pint was about twenty quid. So you're sure flying it was back Guinness for a and pint? not just like crude oil. <laughs> <laughs> what was it like to drive the Range Rover model name? <laughs> Uh, so the range was there a gear stick? <laughs> was there a gear stick? Yes, there was a gear stick. Well, the Range Rover Velar is the fourth model in the Range Rover lineup, and I can't tell you whether it's any good or not because I signed an NDA and they will actually shoot me. So you telling us if it had a gear stick would that be? A- <laughs> no, I can tell you <laughs> that, that it's, I can tell you that it's got a gear stick. I can't tell you if that gear stick is any good or not. Was the NDA specific about the gear stick thing? Because <laughs> I don't want to get you into trouble. No, I mean there were lots of clauses to it. I just skimmed and read it and signed it, but. Um, it basically says I can't tell you whether anything about it is good or not. What about if it's bad? Can't tell you. One cough for good. <laughs> Anytime in the podcast. If you cough, we'll know it's a good cough. <laughs> if you cough twice, 
at any point in the podcast will know it's a bad car. Just to add a bit of jeopardy, I'm going to load up the website and hover over buying one. <laughs> really? I don't think we've sold enough stuff or ruffle t-shirts for you to be able to buy, buy a Range Rover Villar quite yet. Just count on my own personal money for the man who can't drive. Oh, okay. And alongside me is a man who went to see some F1 cars in London. It's Terry Saunders. I did. Thanks, Chica. I did go to the F1 event, unlike you and Lewis Hamilton. Uh, I was I, there. Lewis Hamilton had a holiday. I had WI, okay? I was in a crowd being mostly bored... <laughs> You'd think living out a childhood dream of seeing lots of Formula One cars up close. And I got to stand next to a McLaren. That was fun. But I had to fight through some children to get there. (laughs) And then... I stood in a crowd and watched some cars go around, and it was a bit boring. I mean, I'll be honest, that sounds very much like what F1 is actually like. Except for my favourite bit of the whole day was, so they're trying to make F1 exciting, they're opening it out to fans, all this kind of stuff. They've got all these cars coming up, they've got an old McLaren, they've got, they got all the drivers apart from Lewis Hamilton. Who's the first driver to drive up ever in a Formula 1 car up the mall in Trafalgar Square? It was... Palmer. Rennie Arnoux. That's good. Was he, in, not was he in the old Renault Turbo? The he RSO, was in an old Renault. That's good. Ready fucking Arnoux. That's good. Rene Arnoux No one knows who Rene Arnoux is. They do. They've they they seen that thing with Villeneuve at Dijon on YouTube. It's brilliant. If anyone hasn't no, seen won't. it, they should watch it. Brilliant. He's called Rene Arnoux. <laughs> it's brilliant. He sounds like a mixture of like pastry and the guy from Hello Hello. Chica. Oh, yeah. What the hell have you been up to? I was cycling through London and uh, I saw a guy and I thought, he looks just like Fernando Alonso. Ha <laughs> ha. Carrying a cycling, and then thought, hang on a minute, wow. that could have been Fernando Alonso. That's did not his, a good story at all. Did his bike break? <laughs> <laughs> was he annoyed no. at trying to get through an F1 event? He was holding me up. Oh, it was him. <laughs> <laughs> so, first is Listener's Corner. Now, a friend of the show, Matthew Ristaino, said, hashtag Stoffel Ruffle, finally on form. Yeah, he came 11th and yeah, scored no points. The Palmer position. <laughs> Harry James Barton said, Alonso, P1, A. That, good that point. Was amazing. That was pretty good. I, oh, so good. That was the best part of the whole weekend, apart from the end. <laughs> Did you- so we didn't watch it. At the end of Q1 in qualifying, there'd been rain, all the times were screwed up, and Alonso went out for a lap, and if he'd have, he had to get to the start-finish line before the chequered flag went, and he, he went over it with like a tenth of a second to spare, finished the lap and got P1 in the time. So <laughs> the first time in like three years Alonso's been top of the timesheets. And the best thing was, you've got to love a British crowd. Yeah. Like Wimbledon, there's a, there's a sarcasm. There's a, there was a cheer bigger than I heard for Hamilton when he won. <laughs> when, when Alonso went P1, there was that lovely British sarcastic, hey, we know this is shit, but come on. <laughs> Now, Chris Krug said, Stroll's family didn't look very happy when Alonso pushed their son out of Q2 for shits and giggles. I bet they're wondering what they could buy that would piss Alonso off the most. Uh, what would piss Alonso off the most? Hello, Alonso. What a boot, Canadian. What a boot this uh, Honda extension contract that we've paid for the McLaren team a boot. I can only say about uh, in Canadian. Sounds like drunk Scottish. Well, in a way, Canada is like a drunk Scotland. <laughs> Next. Alan David said, good start and end. Dull middle. Cars looked amazing from cops through maggots and Beckett's, though. They did, and Alan should know, because he uh, he posted on our Facebook page, he was there doing marshalling or something, wasn't he, with uh, with an FF1S T-shirt oh. as well. Yes, Alan no David. Way put a great picture on Facebook of our T-shirt next to Palmer's Garage. Yes. <laughs> which, I have to say, 
is amazing. And then he put on Facebook about how then Palmer went out of the race. Was it because of us? And I'm like, yes, put our T-shirts everywhere. He also had his picture taken with Susie Wolf, and it tells us he was wearing his T-shirt but was too scared to actually reveal it under his uniform. Well, after Jenny Garrigay, I reckon Susie Wolf would have also heard of us and been a bit scared. Will she hate us as much, though? I think Susie Wolf would hate us more. I don't think Jenny Gow hates us, does she? Ben Turnbull (laughs) said, Love him or think he's a tit. Hamilton is what the sport needs. Seeing Kimi and Bottas waiting for the post-race interview while Lewis went crowd surfing was class. That was naughty of him, but I I liked it. Agree. He is a tit and I love him. I'm on both sides of this. He's a lovable tit. A lovable tit. And... I mean, let's talk about him not turning up with the Formula One Live thing. That was just bellendish. How did you feel being there? Did you hear any chat there? Any- he got booed quite a lot. Did he? There was one that they interviewed the crowd at one point. I don't know if it was on the coverage, but they interviewed the crowd and went, who do you want to win the championship? And some guy went, Vettel, because Hamilton didn't show up today. And the crowd <laughs> booed <laughs> Hamilton, cheered Vettel. So it's like, it was an unpopular move that... And then today I heard in an interview he was kind of going, you see, I had to prepare for the race and I won the race, so I hope my fans understand. And I'm just a bit like, oh, come on. Well, he is a very sensitive soul, off. though, isn't he? He, 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 well, he needs his, his, his me time to, to get in the best shape. And, and you could see it. The, the, the British I'm, public are a fickle lot and they seem to love him again by Sunday evening. So I know, but I'm sure he could have afforded some luxury hotel in London or at worst, you know, like a hostel and just had a nice night's sleep. I've been to the Travel Lodge in, near London Bridge and, yeah. you know, it's adequate. Richard Stevenson said, Max completely stiffing Vettel. That was great. Let's not talk about Max Verstappen. Next. <laughs> Jonathan Petrovic said, The last laps reminded me of Silverstone 2013, with tyres exploding everywhere. I'm pretty sure nothing was actually wrong with Palmer's car. He just wanted to avoid having a shit performance in front of the home crowd. So he pretended his car broke down. I totally agree. I think that's very valid. You know, Nigel Mansell used to say that a lap round, the crowd at Silverstone was worth two tenths per lap. (laughs) And I got a feeling that in Palmer's case, it's worth two seconds a lap the other way. Like, oh, fuck, they hate me. Well, even if it was worth two cents a lap, he'd still only be like 1.2 seconds behind Hulkenberg. In other news, away from Silverstone, Kubica could be running for Renault at the Hungry Test. What if he's brilliant? He he might be. I've, I was listening to rival and not really rival podcast Autosport, because, you know, they're a proper magazine. And there's a lot of conversation there about this Kubica thing being real like he is showing serious proper actual can be competitive formula one driver pace this is this is no marketing bullshit a lot of people have been talking about this could be palmer's last race i did read today that palmer's been told that he's safe for the rest of the season yeah. but yeah. if I was Palmer's just, boss I yeah. would definitely tell Palmer <laughs> that just to really fuck him just, up just like when Kvyat was safe at Red Bull don't exactly. worry about it yeah, yeah. I, so I don't know well this I mean we talked last week about the fact that Kvyat was going to have this second test which he's now had and clearly it's gone rather well and there is a there is this test after the, the Hungarian Grand Prix at the weekend it, wouldn't it be interesting wouldn't it be interesting to see if he does it and if he's if he's really quick this would be the best story that Formula One has had for years. It would be Full brilliant. It, I can't think Amazing. of I can't think of any losers in that situation apart from uh, apart from Palmer. Us, because who who would we slag off? I was trying to think of what what's been the best coming back from injury drive, and I suppose Nicky Lauda yeah. still being burnt is the only one. And Senna never managed it when he died. <laughs> lots of lots of drivers in Formula One have died and never come back. 
Are there any other drivers we should be watching out for at the post-Hungarian Grand Prix test? Actually, yes, there are, because there are quite a few young drivers taking part in this, and uh, it's always worth keeping an eye on that, because there, there might be some names that A, will have to learn how to say, and might be uh, might be juggling with in future seasons. Uh, first of which is uh, a chap called George Russell, who could be the next big British hope. He is uh, currently leading the GP3 series in what I think is his first season, and he's going to be testing for Mercedes, so he's going to have good car so hopefully we'll be putting in good times um, he's got also got a lovely wholesome name George no I think Russell. that's a terrible name for Formula 1 all successful British drivers in Formula 1 since James Hunt have had slightly weird names okay I think it's a nice Nigel Mansell Damon I mean, Hill neither of those are that weird Jocelyn Palmer <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's weird, true yeah. Lewis Hamilton I quite like George Russell he sounds like a sort of like a faithful British bulldog okay okay last, last decent name Will Stevens, how well did he do? That was a normal name. He was the Drift King and he, <laughs> he sold us a lot of really cool stuff out of his boot. Okay, who else? Uh, we've got Charles Leclerc, uh, current leader of F2. This will, this will be interesting because since he was president of South Africa, <laughs> we've heard very little from the young man. The third chap uh, that you need to be looking out for is Pierre Gasly, who is a Red Bull junior driver, currently racing a Super Formula in Japan, uh, reigning GP2 champ. Uh, he'll be testing for Red Bull and... Uh, there must be at least one driver at Red Bull whose position is not perhaps very secure at the moment. Uh, so yeah, anyway, watch out for those guys. Uh, maybe they'll disappear into obscurity or maybe they'll be racing next year and they could be the next... Uh... Will Stevens. Yes. And finally for news, Sauber has got a new team boss, Frederick Vasseur. Formerly boss of Renault, left in the off-season due to a different vision within team management. Yeah, he thought they should win. So job one is to find an engine, because apparently the deal with Honda for 2018 has fallen through. No! I know, and it's hard to tell whether this is Sauber have gone no fucking way Honda, or Honda have gone no fucking way Sauber. And either way, no fucking way Sauber slash Honda. What a mess. Speaking of engines, McLaren and Ferrari, what is that about? There's a chance that McLaren might have Ferrari engines next year. How do you think that'll do? That's going to be as sacrilegious as <laughs> the Roman Catholic Church. Oh, I need some knowledge. Opening That's an abortion like centre. <laughs> having an abortion centre. Brilliant, Phil. Thank you. That's as sacrilegious as the Roman Catholic Church having an abortion centre. I mean, oh, can, I sound like Frankie can, Boyle. Oh, that's exciting. Could we think of a more sacrilegious combination of, of brands within F1? Because I can't. Ferrari, Renault. Maybe it's just deliberate to piss Ron Dennis off. I think Ron Dennis should be the engine. I think they should get him in the back of one of the cars. I will never let a Ferrari in over my dead body. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't say that. Not after the Brundle incident. You can tell us how wrong we are. You can tweet us at For F1Sake or find us on Facebook where we're For F1Sake, all one word. Or you can email us at wrong at ff1s.com. For F1's sake review of the British Grand Prix is supported by Apex Race Manager, the Formula One strategy game for iPhone and Android devices. Phil, hearing someone describe playing a video game is a bit like someone trying to explain the last dream they had. But just try and give us a flavour of your recent escapades in Apex Race Manager. Well, Chica, I managed to pilot my Renboat to 8th place. Uh, the race was won by Sebastian Vellet of the Stallion team. 
with uh, Valentino Botpot of Mercury in second and Axe Verstappen of Red Ass in third. And I did a particularly fast pit stop, which I was very pleased about. There's a little sub game where you, you have to tap on the tyres to change them and I managed to do it in 1.88 seconds, which I think beats even Williams. It's better than the real thing on my phone. And Terry, what was the last dream you had? Uh, I don't dream. Okay. I find it too inefficient. In Apex Race Manager, you choose your race strategy, so it's your fault if it all goes tits up. <laughs> Optimise your car and race all of the tracks in the season to win the championship. Get it now for free on your iPhone or Android device. And Phil, what's that strap line again? It's better than the real thing on your phone. Even better than the real thing, baby. Uh, on your phone. And now, inevitably, we move to the British Grand Prix. Now let's start with Mercedes. For Hamilton, it was the perfect race with the perfect beginning, perfect pit, perfect tyres and perfect end. Just goes to show that a holiday to Greece with your mates works wonders. Bottas, despite starting ninth on the grid, did some slick overtake and came home 14 seconds behind him. So what did you think of Mercedes' second 1-2 of the season? Well, Hamilton was peerless, he did well, etc, etc, etc. Bottas is interesting. I mean, would he have got second without Raikkonen's tyre drama? No. I think he would have. I think he would have. I mean, he would have been well up there, I think. Yeah. I mean, the Mercedes was so quick this weekend, and it's it's interesting for the title uh, challenge that they were so far ahead of everybody else. It's almost like they've had the car the whole season, and then this week t- turned up and gone, should that, should that bit be taped together? No, 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 that shouldn't be taped together. Why? That's just for st- that's just a transit. Hang on, so if I cut this tape off, wow, three seconds quicker. Right? It's like they've just found time that shouldn't be there. This is ominous. And you don't think it's anything to do with the track? Because it's mean, notorious at Silverstone. How the track probably up. helped, I'd say, because I mean, it wasn't it the fastest, wasn't it the fastest average race speed? of the season so far. I mean, it's a very high-speed track and, and Mercedes I think, still I has think the best engine. Silverstone ever as well. I think it's the fastest ever in Silverstone. It's, yeah, it was that. It was certainly in this this uh, configuration or whatever it was. But yeah, I mean, Mercedes for years has been the best engine and there's some conjecture as to whether it still is. But I think that proves that, yes, it still is. But at the same time, I think Raikkonen was quite close to Hamilton at the start of the race. And then suddenly Hamilton just kind of stretched his legs and was... 10 seconds in the lead within a minute so I think this bodes badly for Ferrari I agree yeah yeah well let's talk about Ferrari then Vettel was blazed by Verstappen had bad tyres a small brake fire and lost five places and also 12 points that is what you get for being a righteous hypocrite now what did you think of them not bringing Vettel off the track with his shredded tyre because I thought it looked pretty dangerous well, you've got to answer that with saying he got seventh place, which he wouldn't have got if they'd have pulled him off the track. So those points might be valuable later in the year. So I don't know. Do it's you hard think to they say. knew? Who, sh- who would have pulled him off the track? Should they just told him to retire? Because that tyre was going everywhere. Should they have just said, right, race over? And I guess well, not they had nothing. They had nothing to lose by bunging another tyre on. And just, I mean, he only had one lap to go, didn't he? So they might as you know, might as well. I suppose someone was doing some somewhere, but apparently the tyre issues are different on both cars. Even though they all happened on the same lap. Same tyre same as well. Same front left tyre, same lap, give or take. Raikkonen's was a delamination. Yeah, it just kind of flapped apart, didn't it? Which means when the plastic comes away from the card, <laughs> and Vettel had like a proper old puncture. 
apparently Paredes saying even though they haven't at the same time they are different things well, Fettel had been absolutely hammering his tyres in the preceding laps hadn't he he had a massive lock up yeah I mean I think it seems likely that Vettel fucked his tyre and got punished for it and, Ham- and um, Raikkonen maybe had a tyre failure which might be just a different thing maybe it was no fault of Raikkonen's that his tyre yeah just failed. weird coincidence very weird like so mm. soon it was like uncanny Someone on Twitter did a great tweet that just said there is a very accurate sniper <laughs> in the uh, Silverstone grandstand today. Raikkonen looked super pissed off at the end. Second oh. was in the bag, he thought. He always looks pissed off. I know, but... Well, I I mean, he, he didn't lose as many places as he thought he was going to because immediately afterwards Vettel cut the same problem, so he actually got the podium back again. So now there is only one point between Vettel and Hamilton. How very do Very exciting. It is very, very exciting now. But uh, what do you think about Hungary? Hamilton does very well at Hungary. I think he's got the record of the most wins from one driver. So you'd think it's for him to lose. Ferrari's had good pace this year, but the main thing they've had is that if Vettel isn't winning, he's second, third or fourth. And coming seventh has damaged his championship. So you have to say what Hamilton needs. With a couple of bad luck for Hamilton, like the headrest and the gear penalty and all this kind of stuff, what we need, we, I'm impartial, mm-hmm. is for Vettel to have some bad luck as well as Hamilton doing well. So we need, we need a proper Vettel retirement. Also, is it- Bottas is only 22 points behind, I think. Yeah. So that's, if everyone else was off, Bottas would be in the lead. He's in contention. Are you going to put any money on Bottas to, oh, to win no. the championship? I don't gamble. <laughs> but if you were? then definitely I would put money on all drivers. That's why I don't <laughs> Okay. I'm going to make a bold prediction and say that this is the turning point of the season. And that even oh. though Vettel is theoretically still in front, I think Hamilton and Mercedes are going to smash it at Hungary. And I think they're going to just stretch away for the rest of the season and Hamilton's going to win the championship. Red Bull. There was some truly outstanding driving from the Red Bulls last weekend at Silverstone. Verstappen finished a race. Good start, good middle, good overtake, bad pit, but let's be honest, average car. Ricardo did some really, really impressive overtakes, but I wanted to see more sped up and uh, preferably to the Benny Hill theme. I've got two questions for you. One, they brought Verstappen into the pits in the last lap to change his tyres, which cost him a podium slot. Could they have done a Vettel and risked it and left him out? And before you answer that, Terry, how embarrassed are you? Right, second question first. Even a stop clock is right twice a day. Just because he's done well doesn't mean fuck all. First question, no, he was never going to get a podium. Uh, They pitted him because they could um, and not have him lose a place from where he was. And don't forget, Red Bull could see all the data of the tyres. They were pretty sure his tyre was going to go. Yeah, plus they've just been two Ferrari Ferrari tyres blow up as well. And Verstappen really wants to drive for Ferrari, so he'll do anything they do. (laughs) (laughs) Verstappen was very good. Ricardo was exceedingly good, though. I mean, coming coming from 20th to 5th was amazing. And what was particularly impressive... Is it, which I didn't realise until I was reading the race reports, is that he came flying up through the grid doing some amazing overtakes on the super softs, and he didn't pit until lap 32. So even though he was driving like an absolute maniac, he managed to make the super soft tyres last 32 laps. I think that's absolutely amazing. Williams, so it wasn't a horrendous weekend for the now middle-aged Williams, but considering that last weekend we had lovely Stroll gracing the podium, it was a bit of a step down. Massa had a not brilliant qualifying, but he did get a point. I guess that's what happens when you get to 40A, guys. Why not 40, yeah? I'm 37, and you can buy Viagra online. So what happened to Stroll? I don't know. 
I'll um, tell you. He had a broken barge board. I need to correct you. You said he got the podium last weekend, but that was a race before he got the podium, was wasn't it? it? He got a points last weekend, though, so it's fine. All right, well, whatever. Points, I feel like the Stroll podium. story is is done now like he, right. he came well, in he wasn't very good and then and then uh, then he did, then he got his podium and everyone's really happy and now I'm just kind of find I'm not what's that more important anymore. about yeah. Williams is that they had their competition to have someone stay over oh, in the yes. garage and did you hear anything about that no, no were you, reckon, were you, did you win I reckon what happened is that someone in the Williams team maybe forgot to send an email out to the person who'd won the competition and then on the Friday said, do you still want to do this? And they said, actually, I've made other plans. Which, totally coincidentally, is exactly what happened with our competition. <laughs> Where me and Phil were supposed to be drinking with uh, Tristan, who won the, comp- the story competition. I thought I'd organised it. Turns out I hadn't. Emailed him on Saturday, do you still want to do this? Got a reply on Monday going, oh, sorry, I didn't see your email. Let's do it another time. So... <laughs> He's won the competition. There will be another race where we watch it all together with him. If you're listening, don't blame me if you don't anymore, because what a terrible way to be treated. Uh, Tristan, <laughs> next Grand Prix of your choice, as long as it's convenient for us, and we want to do it. Sauber! Both drivers were on totally different strategies, and neither of them worked. Didn't they bump into each other at one point? Yeah, yeah, they were just like, what are the chances? That's <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Sarah was just a mess. Uh, what's they were surprisingly happen? evenly matched. I mean, the fact that they were together is probably good for Ericsson or shit for Verline. Even a stop I thought clock is was right much twice faster. a day. <laughs> but I always thought Verline was much better than Ericsson, so I'm quite right. surprised they were anywhere near each other. Force India. Not a great weekend. Ocon had a good start, but Perez was sort of faster than him, but he couldn't overtake. So that meant it was a disappointing race. And to summarise, Hulkenberg was 30 seconds ahead of them. They were racing with Van Dorn and the Hayasers were faster. What went wrong for them this weekend? Well, Ocon beat Perez for the first time. Mm-hmm. Big news. First time ever? First time in this year, Congrats. Force India year. So good on him. Is he better though? I like him better because he's younger. Me too. He's a bit more daring, isn't he? He's a bit more daring. His name's better. Mm-hmm. Nah. Good insight. <laughs> It was a laugh. I mean, I was reacting. It was a bit more. It was more of a Stephen Fry laugh. That's why. Meh. Thank you. Hey. Yes. Yes. Not the best weekend. The team had different strategies, which meant Grosjean had two stops and Magnussen one, which worked out slightly better for him. Magnussen got bumped by Kvyat on the way out from clobbering his teammate, but seemed to be okay. Was it the strategies, drivers, or cars that were just pretty average? Everything was pretty average, but let's not forget that Grosjean tried to get Hamilton dobbed in in the qualifying, saying, oh, uh, Le, Le Hamilton, it's Lewis Hamilton, Le Hamilton <laughs> blocked me. Uh, I am so angry, my brakes do not work. Oh, yes. oh, follow Madonna with the big boobies. <laughs> and um, just then, as soon as Hamilton got let off, going, that's because he's a championship contender. And it's like, and then... Toto Wolf says, Grosjean's lucky to still be driving because he's a right dickwad. And then, <laughs> oh, that was it. Well, didn't Magnussen nearly get taken out by the Toro Rossos when they crashed into each well, other? Well, kind that of everyone clobbered? got taken out yeah, by the Toro Rossos. But he got clobbered, but then they, they he couldn't sit, feel any damage to the car, so they just let him carry on. Renault! <laughs> it was a really good drive from the Hulk. He had an exhaust leak at the end, though, which meant he lost fifth place to Ricardo. Fifth, usually it's fifteenth. That was good. 
Hulkenberg is, is a good though. Hulkenberg is a good driver, and the Renault is an okay car. What their other driver do? Chica? Could it be? Could it be a car upgrade though? He did have a new floor. Oh, was that on his car? I just assumed he'd had something he fitted had a, at home. I thought he had a full-on upgrade. We had a new floor, which apparently, Phil, you can explain this. Floors are very important in Formula One. Otherwise, yes. otherwise your feet are just running along exactly, the pavement, yeah. Flintstone it's, style. It's an aerodynamic phenomenon known as the Fred Flintstone effect, uh, and they discovered that if they uh, if they put a floor on the car rather than having the uh, driver's legs dragging along the tarmac, they go faster and avoid injuries. Okay. But what, what about the other driver? I forget his name. Jocelyn. Jocelyn didn't make it round the formation lap due to a hydraulic leak. Could last weekend have made Palmer realise that he will not be world champion this year? I, mean, I actually felt a little bit sorry for him because he'd been getting. Phil, you are banished. <laughs> you are banished from this podcast. Not I mean, not very, not very sorry for him. But he's, uh, all the build-up and all the quotes have been like, "Yeah, this is going to be the one. The crowd are going to be in through. I'm going to get put. This is going to be the first time I get points this year." I'm and then fed he didn't up with that. He's get just get every bloody race. Yeah, every race. And didn't didn't him talking it up make it inevitable? I, I mean, it was still pretty you know, funny. If he'd have come to the race and just mm. been like, do you know what? I've had a shit time. I'm pretty depressed. I'm not sure if I'm going to manage to finish this race. I, for one, would stand up for him. You know how much I love an underdog. But the problem yes, is, he is still cocky. And as soon as he stops being cocky, I'll be his fan. But right now, he's a cocky, arrogant little shit. And I cannot wait until Robert Onehand takes his place. <laughs> is there still potential for Palmer to redeem himself and become our Oh my God, he's called Palmer and he's going to be replaced by Onehand. <laughs> <laughs> Toro Rosso, let's talk about the scandal. Signs was out in the first lap after colliding with Kvyat. Now, whose fault was it? It was Sebastian Vettel's fault. Wait, what? Yeah, cool. Because last year, Sebastian Vettel was the one who dobbed... Kvyat into Red Bull and just went oh. uh, Kvyat is really shit you should fire him and ever since then it's been a downward spiral so I think okay. it's Vettel's fault Vettel okay. should get a five place penalty for that incident At least a that is one interpretation the interpretation What's your I mean interpretation another another go? more accurate interpretation would be that it was Kvyat's fault for losing control and smashing into his teammate mm. can you be at fault for losing control <laughs> yes oh it's you like your main job it. is to be in control of your car. Signs did not lose control. And he stayed calm and polite at the end. And I was well, I mean, he lost control once Kvyat hit him. Although, in fairness, Signs I mean, was a little bit scrappy the corner before. They were all over the place to start with. I mean, neither of them there, covered themselves in glory. There were rumours, though, that Signs is leave his, cut his ties with Toro Rosso and he's going to Renault instead of Kubica, but instead of Palmer. And Toro Rosso have been denying that. But it sounds like Signs is unhappy because I think... Would, this, would next year be his fourth year in Toro Rosso, and that's the longest yeah, any I mean, driver's been? And really? we've talked about this before. Like, I mean, what what are his possibilities? He's not gonna he's not gonna get to Red Bull anytime soon. Because uh, as I've said, I think Red Bull have got the best two drivers. Uh, have got the best team in terms of quality of both of their drivers. Yeah. So I mean, what what's he gonna do? Is he just gonna stay at Toro Rosso forever? Exactly. McLaren. They were close to getting points, but not close enough. This weekend, it wasn't our Spanish hero. It was the Belgian babe, Stoffel. I say babe, we talk about him all the time. I'm not entirely sure what he looks like. He doesn't look as good as you expect. Oh, I saw him interviewed shit. at the Formula One Live thing, and I was like, is that him? <laughs> shit. Man, he is no Pascal. <laughs> Although, saw Pascal being interviewed, like I could see you in real life, yeah. instant boner. Oh, okay. <laughs> For him, I mean. Oh. <laughs> Van Dorn for the first time out qualified Alonso and ended up finishing four seconds outside the points. What happened to Alonso? 
Fuel pressure problems. Fuel pressure. And he had a 30-place grid penalty for changing his mind again. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, just still awful. I mean, still rubbish. Doing okay, but rubbish. What's funny, though, is that the Alonso rumours are getting a little more vague in that Ferrari have said no, Red Bull have said no, Mercedes have said no. So now he's kind of going... Because at first he said, by the summer break, I want to know what... McLaren's engines are next year and I'll have made my decision and now that after the next race is a summer break and he's going in September I'm going to have made a decision <laughs> and you're like oh god you you can't get into the drive can you Fernando you're stuck with hear, fucking McLaren should, I though. did hear another unconfirmed rumour kicking around that, that, that he might be thinking about missing and missing Singapore to do the last race of the IndyCar season yes but I, I have absolutely so no backup on whether that's true back. that would mean Button's back who would Button seemed to love being at Silverstone, didn't he? Like a good old pundit in the future. He was he was very good on the uh, on the interviews, I thought. Yeah, he was good in general. Certainly better than Owen Wilson. Oh, can we talk about Owen Wilson for a second? Go on then. No, nothing to say. Like him. <laughs> and now it's time for the standings with Terry Saunders. You say with Terry Saunders, but this week something happened. We got a message <laughs> on our Facebook profile from one Jennifer Wappenkamp good name by the way <laughs> who said I love the podcast however I will stop listening if you sing again nothing about that was a sound of actual music now you may remember last week me and Chica did the standings to the song of sound of music sorry I don't know and so we've been told that we shouldn't do that again now you know me I'm belligerent so here are the Formula <laughs> 1 Championship standings in song okay <laughs> In first place in the championship is I'm tired of being alone I'm so tired <laughs> Tires spelled with a Y It's about tires It's Sebastian Vettel In second place is I miss F1 Live Like crazy <laughs> I miss F1 Live Like crazy Only one point behind In third place is You once Twice Third in the championship And I fail to read You in fourth place, you can do anything, but don't drink out of my blue suede shoes. <laughs> In fifth place, I hate everything about you. That's uh, Raikkonen being a grump at the end of the thing. Fucking quality and, song as well. Uh, In sixth place, I'll be your long-haired lover from Liverpool. <laughs> Like what's happened. In seventh place, Perez with a I'm saving all my tire wear for you. In eighth place, rhythm is gonna get you. Rhythm is gonna get you. Rhythm is gonna get you. That's because uh, Esteban Ocon sounds a bit like Gloria Esteban. 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 Emilio Estevez. <laughs> ninth place. Ooh, you make me live. Ooh, you're my best friend. Ooh, I've been wandering round. Still comes back to you. Still That's back Carlos Sainz, who is obviously best friends with Daniel Kvyat. Tenth place, Sunday morning. Which is uh, Nico from the Velvet Underground, Hulkenberg. <laughs> Joker did last week, 11th place. Old man messer, that old man messer. And in 12th place, because we're in East London, a bit of a cockney song. We're up, but up, up, doing the Lance Stroll, Lambeth Walk. Hey! 13th, 
I can make you feel good, which is Stefan Dennis. Ah! That's a different song. Oh yeah, what was it? Don't it make you feel good? I've been listening to it all week. Oh, Don't it make you? I can, what's I can make you? Who's I can make you feel good then? <laughs> I, I can't can remember. Make you feel? That's a better song. It's Shalimar. I ain't mean, fourteenth. Da 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 da. Who's your tail? Obviously, and. 15th place, my favourite driver. Whatever I said, whatever I did, I didn't mean it. I just hurt my back for good. Hurt my back. <laughs> hurt my back. Sexy Pascal. In 16th place, the Formula One FF1S driver of the year last year. War. Huh. What is it good for? Absolutely nothing. No drive next year. Huh. And in 17th place, Fernando Alonso with a song I don't know the tune to, but it's Every Loser Wins by Nick Berry. <laughs> Every loser wins. Thank you. And because we're recording this podcast in East London, I've decided to do the constructors as Cockney rhyming slang. <laughs> okay, in first place is Drop My Contact, Contact Lens Mercedes Benz. Good. See, good. Next. Second place, conscripted by the army, Ferrari. What? That's not, that doesn't rhyme. That's terrible. <laughs> you think that's terrible? Just wait. What are you doing tonight, Matt? I'm going down the old Phil Cool, Red Bull. <laughs> Phil? What the hell's the Phil Cool? Phil Cool rhymes with Red Bull. Phil Cool is the old impressionist from the 80s on telly. Why Come are you on. going down on him? He's a very, cool. very rubbery face. Having a ruby, <laughs> ruby Murray, curry, Indian food, force <laughs> India. <laughs> And Dame Shirley Williams. It's Williams. <laughs> it's the same word. <laughs> Sixth place. Couldn't give a tosso. It's Toro Rosso. Is this Cockney or just like bingo calling? Yeah, I was going to say, sure. you're just shouting out numbers now. Up the arse. It's... <laughs> Can I just remind you that we're in a very crowded pub here? <laughs> you mean up the arse. Up the arse. <laughs> Eighth place, blow on the oboe, it's a Renault. What? In ninth place, while you're in ninth place, while you don't know. You know that Sauber is German for clean. <laughs> while you're down there, Sauber. Which... <laughs> And in tenth place, it's Donkey. She's the McLaren Honda. Thank you. Now it is time for the 2017 FF1S Grand Prix Fantasy League, powered by Grid Rival. Phil. Thank you, Jika. Yes, after ten rounds, we're at the halfway point of the 2017 FF1S Grand Prix Fantasy League, powered by Grid Rival. And the top five of the league looks like this. In fifth place, Mika's Mighty Racers. Uh, in fourth place, Testing Testing 1, 2, 3. In third place, Just Drive Racing. In second place, apparently not a new entry, but I don't remember the name, so maybe they've changed it. Speed Force, good work. And uh, winning still by a country mile, Mercedes-Benz AMG. Well done to them. Now, let's go to the always popular uh, battle of the presenters. Uh, and in third place is Terry's Let's Get Funky still uh, on 5,004 points. But did the best of us in the last round. Any any tips uh, for how to do well, Terry? Sign all the good drivers. Oh, interesting. Mm. 
In second place and 15th in the overall standings is Tindet Racing, which is me. And in 14th place and first overall among the presenters is Chica's boyfriend, Drink Driving with Jolien. Even though once again on the script, you've written your own team name, Nice Haas. Uh, I which don't do that bit, we actually, comprehensively so know is not true because you're right down the bottom. Because uh, if we recall last week, you did promise us and all the listeners, the loyal listeners, that you would actually uh, do your team this this week. Uh, yes, I was. Uh, I was actually busy. I was oh at really? Festival. You didn't go to our meet and greet with our competition winner. <laughs> you didn't Although go either. Neither did we. Well, uh, you know, <laughs> details, Phil. You didn't sign up for a championship. What have you done? Have you gone to a festival? Oh, yeah, I hope you enjoyed yourself. I hope you had a lovely time. So that's how things stand at the moment. Uh, congratulations to uh, everybody who actually took the time, unlike Chica, to pick their team. Even if you did very badly, you still did better than Chica. Um, and you probably didn't even have the joy of going to a festival and seeing whoever Chica saw. But remember, if you haven't already signed up for uh, the FF1S Grand Prix Fantasy League powered by Grid Rival, it is not too late. You do not have to be like me and sit at the bottom of the standings. You could be up there with the heroes. Go to ff1s.com forward slash Grid Rival. That's just one A. No, three A's. And now it is time for the State of F1 with Terry Saunders. Or rather, this week, the state of fucking Silverstone and the wankers at the BRDC, which stands for the Belen's Ruining Drivers with Contracts. Let's firstly not forget the Silverstone's main thing going for it is that it's old. It's like saying we should probably replace Stormzy with old cliff records on a loop. Silverstone is flat, muddy, has bad parking and is called Silverstone. It's stupid. But since Donington imploded and after it last hosted a race, Brands Hatch has now shrunk to be about 30 centimetres square and it's no longer a Super Formula 1, we've only got Silverstone left as an option. Therefore, the track should be on to a winner. History and ubiquity mean there isn't really another choice for Formula 1. And we need a British Grand Prix, as basically all the teams live here, and so does Murray Walker. This all seems to be apparent when in 2009, the BRDC, which stands for Bastards Wrecking... <laughs> so that was me trying to improvise. Signed a deal that would keep the British Grand Prix at Silverstone until 2027, a year almost unheard of. <laughs> now this, now Phil, you'll be pleased with this, I've done some journalism. Oh right? shit. I've looked up an article. From Good a BBC work. article at the time, it said the contract on the table was believed to demand a 12 million fee for 2010, with an increase of 7% per year after that. However, it's now understood that the increase was pegged at 5%, and then it says in the same article, there's also a clause in the contract that allows either side to end the contract after 10 years. They never had any intention of going further than 10 years. I'll bet they worked out Bernie would be dead by then and they could appeal to the new owners who would see how ridiculous a 5% increase is each year. It's a 17 year contract. 5% more each year is 85%. Don't check the maths. In fact, you know, it's more than that because it's 5% on top of the other 5% from the year previous. It's ridiculous. <laughs> And they were almost right, let's not forget. Bernie is now gone and Liberty are in charge. But let's not forget that they also quite like 5% of extra free money each year, especially as, even though Bernie would take the money from your pocket, he'd do it whilst maintaining eye contact, shaking your hand and somehow with your full agreement. <coughs> so now, to time their divorce announcement to be the week before the Grand Prix and then have people like Derek Warwick to be really shitty every time asked about it and basically say, oh, look how great the rate is. Why don't you all fuck off? Of course they'll sign. It means that the official for Formula One's sake, line 
is let's fucking bin Silverstone. What? I'm sick of it. I am sick of it. Sorry, Phil. I know you're a racer. You love it, etc. But I went there once in 1991 with my dad. He bought his new girlfriend. None of us knew about it. It was a fucking horrible day. So for <laughs> that reason alone, fuck it. I mean, that is unfortunate for you, and I feel bad. But um, I like Silverstone. Tough shit. But don't worry. I have a solution. Terry, I hear you cry. Where should we conduct a race? Would the streets of London work? No, of course not. That won't ever happen. Don't stop fucking dreaming. Instead, we need to think laterally. What with Brexit happening, we need an advert to the world that we are open for business. Therefore, I say we tour old empire countries. Imagine a British Grand Prix in Australia, or a British <laughs> Grand Prix in Canada, or India. No, wait, let's have a Grand Prix in the fucking Falklands. No, <laughs> tell you what, the practice sessions for the Falklands Grand Prix will be in bloody Gibraltar. Brexit will love it, we'll all be happy. C'est la vie. Sorry, that's French. Fuck everything, my dad's a cunt. So that's it from us. It is goodbye to Phil Tromans. Thanks very much. We haven't had time to talk about the shield face shield head protector anti-spring thing that once again reared its increasingly ugly head. Ferrari ran their design uh, ahead of the Silverstone Grand Prix. It looks stupid. Vettel said it made him dizzy. I just want to get rid of all of it now. There's nothing wrong with the way it is at the moment. It's supposed to be a bit dangerous. Carry on. The fact it made him dizzy... <laughs> The fact they've designed this thing and then when they put it on it's just like a massive contact lens that buckles the vision. Like, and he did, did one no lap as well. Did nobody, did nobody go, hang on a minute, we've made a giant fucking contact lens. <laughs> Idiots. And to Terry Saunders. We haven't talked about Nigel Mansell. There was an amazing interview with him before the Grand Prix coverage that was basically a sit down with him telling the audience about all the injuries he's had over the years and I won't bore you with the details watch it on Channel 4 it's amazing but the best one is he had when he went to IndyCar racing he hit his head had a big bump on his head I knew that a bit apparently the injury was so severe it had only ever been seen in post-mortem the doctors had <laughs> never seen someone alive with this injury to the point that that is now in medical textbooks known as the Mansell injury <laughs> what the fuck I don't believe that. Watch the interview. I'm honestly, look it up. it's enough to make a man your hero. I fucking love him. <laughs> we'll be back in two weeks' time to discuss the Hungarian Grand Prix. But in the meantime, check out our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash for F1's sake, and follow us on Twitter at for F1's sake. So I've just got an Amazon Echo, and if you ask Alexa on there, you can listen to podcasts. So if you say the following, Alexa, play the latest episode of Formula One's sake. Right, everyone with Alexa now can't hear us because it's gone back to the start of the episode, so fuck them. <laughs> fuck me too. What? Also, Alexa, buy 200 toilet rolls and some porn. <laughs> any porn. Any porn's fine. Wait, yeah. people are never going to get to that because every time, even if they started again once she said that, then they would have only got to the Alexa FF1S and then they'll go back to the beginning. So the only people who get into the, elect- the porn joke porn. are not owners of Alexa. Wait, I've got an idea. <laughs> hey Siri, buy an Amazon Echo. I set it up listen just just buy porn porn hey porn 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 speaking of porn 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 Terry where can you buy our merchandise pornhub.com forward slash for everyone's sake this has cost us a lot of money and I've had to do some things I'm not happy with otherwise you go to ff1s.com forward slash shop 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 thanks for listening see you in a fortnight I've been G Grez goodbye bye bye Oh,
Social Podcast Network. So, retrospectors, what historical events are we ticking off on this week's run of Today in History? Well, on Monday, it's the anniversary of the table knife being invented. On Tuesday, we explain how the tradition of the two-minute silence originated in Cape Town. On Wednesday, we recall the day King George III proved he was assassin-proof. On Thursday, let's all eat cake. It's Marie Antoinette's wedding. And on Friday, we discover how Buffalo Bill helped invent the Wild West. We discuss this and more on Today in History with the Retrospectors. Ten minutes each weekday, wherever you get your podcasts.